asking the right questions Einstein's reputed to have said that if he was given an hour to solve a problem on which his life depended he would spend the first 55 minutes deciding what the right question was to ask and the next five minutes answering the question or as the uh, as we have in Chazal the um, Migdaloz says in in Hilchus Tshuva in Perikhev Hilchus Tshuva She'elat Chacham Chatsi Tshuva the question of a wise person is already half the answer the The art lies in asking the right question. In learning, in lomdas, that's critical, is being able to ask the question correctly, to be able to formulate, to identify the issues sufficiently well to be able to ask what's a, what we call a powerful question, a question that is really, really strong. And we get a bit of an uh, insight into how to do that in learning and how not to do that in learning from the Ktsos HaKhoshin. The Ktsos HaKhoshin we've spoken about before, uh, Rabari Yaleib Heller, that's the end of that wonderful period, the end of the 18th century, period of the Vilna Gaon, the, the Ktsos, the Nesivas. Um, just just a, a wonderful, wonderfully productive period of Torah literature, of Torah thought, um, and, and very professional, very, very, very uh, powerful. And the Ktsos HaKhoshin, written in Khoshin Mishpat, only on one section of the Shulchan Aruch, uh, has become, already then until today, the textbook of methodology, of Lomdisha methodology, how to be a London. If you want to be a London, you've got to learn Ktsos HaKhoshin. If you're not learning Ktsos HaKhoshin, or you haven't learned Ktsos HaKhoshin, it's very difficult to, um, to, to understand what, what learning is, how to, how to learn methodology. We use the Ktsos HaKhoshin even in Psak, in the Khoshin Mishpat. We will sometimes use the Ktsos HaKhoshin in Psak. Ktsos HaKhoshin was a rov and a posek, in addition to being such a London. He also wrote the Shev Schmeitzer, which we use a lot, which is the whole uh, analysis of, of Sveikot and how to, how to deal with Sveikot. But the Ktsos HaKhoshin is just one of the most fundamental textbooks of, of Lomdisha methodology ever written, uh, and, and certainly in, in modern times. And in uh, dealing with an aspect of our sugya, the Ktsos HaKhoshin gives us an approach to how to ask these uh, intelligent questions, the right questions. Uh, and the sugya in itself is very interesting because it's a very innovative principle of Chazal where Chazal innovate a financial instrument to facilitate market efficiencies. So, the, so one of the market efficiencies which Chazal innovated already before that time was the tradability of debt, which the secular world only got to know about re relatively recently, that you can trade debt. Uh, I, if you owe me money, I can sell the rights to claim that money from you to a third party, and that enables an efficiency in the in the market. But but uh, traditionally, the method of of selling and trading in debt required a document. You had to trade a, a written instrument. Uh, what the Chazal innovate in in our Gemara here is the idea of ma'amad shloshtam, which is a method of being able to trade in debt and transfer debt even without documentation. To be able to do it, just to be able to do it, which means you can do it in an instant, which increases enormous efficiency in the markets and encourages people to, to lend and to, and, and to borrow uh, and that way for the economy to thrive. The Gemara says on Daf Yud Gimel Amud Bet, If a man says, you owe me a hundred, instead of paying the hundred back to me, Pay the hundred to, to Reuven. Reuven wants to borrow a hundred from me. So the hundred that you've got, instead of paying back to me, give it to Reuven, and now Reuven will owe me the money. You won't owe me. You owe Reuven. Reuven will own me. 
If that's done in the presence of all three, if all three are present when that's done, I'm there, you there, and Ruben is there. And I say this, it's unilateral. I just say it. Nobody has to agree. Um, and, and once it's said, kana means nobody can pull back from it. It's completely binding. Now, we've had cases where words can be completely binding. We've just finished with, with Nazir and with Nadorim. And it's all based on hektish, isn't that so? Where I can give something to hektish, just using words. I can say this object belongs to hektish, belongs to the Beis Hamikdash. Those words actually transfer the ownership from me to the Beis Hamikdash. So we see there are cases where words alone can affect a, a, a transfer. Uh, but this is a particular case of Mahamad Shloshtam where the words alone can affect the, the transfer. The Gemara then goes on to Omarov, There are two ways that, we, in, 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 that we'll consider by which the money might have come into your hands in the first place. Why do you owe me money? There could be two possibilities. I lent you money or I gave it to you as a picadon. I deposited money with you for safe, safekeeping. So I might have given you a, a, a suitcase full of $100 bills and I ask you, please keep this safely for me. Until uh, and, until I come back or whatever it is, and then you'll and then you'll give it to me. So that's the one way. That's called picadon. The other way is halva. I might have lent you the money and and you owe me the money as a loan. The difference between picadon and halva is very important. If I lent you the ten thousand dollars, then you're free to spend that on whatever you want. You owe me ten thousand dollars, but you can use the money to do what you can gamble. You can go on a on a cruise. You can do whatever you want with the money. I have no right to, to dictate to you what to do with the money. A loan is given to, to be spent. You can invest the money. You, you owe me money, but you don't owe me those same $100 bills that I gave you. You owe me the, the, the value. But if I gave you a picadon, you have to give me back what I gave you. You don't have the right to spend or to use that money. It has to be given back to me as I... That's a picadon. Says Rava, Mistavra milta derav befikadon. Rav makes sense. If the way you got the money is as a picadon, so I gave you a suitcase full of, of $100 bills and said, hold on to, for this to me till I get back. I'm now back and I say, instead of giving it back to me, give it to Ruve. But it doesn't make sense with Milve. You owe me money and now somebody else becomes your creditor and it's just unilateral. I borrowed money from you because I, I, I like to deal with you. I know you're not going to oppress me. I know you're not going to, to, to push me. You're not going to be hard on me. Now, all of a sudden, you've told me to pay the mafia. The mafia now has a claim on that money. I don't want to be in their hands. That's not, that wasn't part of the deal. So, Bemilve, it's a bit difficult to understand. But by God, you know what? Rav said it even with Milve. That's how far this law goes. Levi said it specifically in the case of a Milve. If I say, you owe me money, give it to Ruven, the time am I? How does this work? Why, why is this possible? How does this work? Says Rashi, the time am I Bemilve Kana. That Rashi is very important for us. <coughs> Says Rashi, the Gemara is asking, why does it work in the case of Milve? Not why does it work at all. Why does it work in the case of Milve, in a loan? Implying Picadon, I understand why it works. Easy to understand that it works in Picadon. But in Milve, I need to understand why, why does it work. In the case of Milve, the money that I gave you is not, is not there. You're, you've spent it already. 
yes, you owe me, but what do you have to give? How, how does this Kenyan work? On what, does, on what does this Kenyan work? So the Gemara goes on to say, Ela Omar Marzutra, but Marzutra said on the top of Yudaladam and Bet, Hanit Lat Mili, there are three things, Shavinu Rabbonan Kehilchet Beloi Taima, that the Rabbonan have legislated as a halacha without a reason. You've got to treat it, says Rashi, like halacha l'moshim b'sinai. You don't ask questions about it. There's no why. That's how they did it. There are three areas, and this is one of them. Oh, this is the one, v'idach, and another two. Explains to us that the issue is not why did the Rabbonin make this law. The reason the Rabbonin made this law is to facilitate trade, to make finance efficient. You don't have to be a, a, an illui to understand why they made the law. That's not the Gemara's question. And, and the Rosh says that also very, very clearly. Um, a person buys money, a trade, and he doesn't have money to, and he doesn't have the money to pay. So he arranges, he said, you'll claim that I, I now owe you a hundred dollars for the for the goods I've bought from you. You can claim it from, from Shimon. He owes me money, you can claim it from him. That way we can make some quick deals and we can and we can act quickly without having to go through the whole process, and debt can be transferred and debt can be traded. Um, so that's not what the question is, says Tosfus. What is the question? Let's learn the Ktsesachoshin. So the first paragraph of the Ktsesachoshin, he's quoting the Gemara. Venire lechore miloshon Rashi, the Gabi Pikadon, Nicha Betama. It appears from the Rashi that we learned that there's no issue, there's no question about why you have to, uh, what the reason is in the case of Pikadon. If you got the money for me as to, in safekeeping, I understand that I can say to you, give it back to so and so instead of to me, the Kenyan works on this parcel of money which you're holding. The truth is, even for a picadon, you need, you need a reason. There's, clearly, there's a reason for it. The Tosfet and Rosh say the reason for this halacha is to facilitate trade, that you won't have to make kinyonim and get edim and write stories, the documents, you can just trade in debt. What, what we don't have the reason for is, how does it work? So now there's a difference between why did they legislate? That's easy. There's always a reason why the Chachomim legislate. But what's the mechanism? How does it work? But on the other hand, that's also a silly question. How does the Kenyan work? Because many places, there are many Kenyanim that the Chachomim make. They, they make it, they, they say it will work. There doesn't have to be a mechanism. Is it any worse than a Sutimta? At the bottom, I bring the Choshen Mishpit from the, the Shulchanot from Simon Reish Aleph, where we have the Dean of a Sutimta. So in the diamond trade, for example, there is certainly used to be a, a custom that if you shake hands, that's a deal. Is that a Kenyan? Does that work? Does that work in halacha? So the answer is yes. Once the traders have adopted a specific Kenyan, even though it's not a Kenyan in Shulchan Aruch, once the trade adopts a Kenyan, that becomes a valid Kenyan in halacha as well. So the, the Shulchan Aruch specifically says a handshake or whatever people whatever people use. Yeah, they give you a, p a penny or something just as, an, as, as a gesture. 
So we have a situation like that where even though the mechanism is not a halachic mechanism, Chazal say it works. It works to facilitate trade. So here too, why are we asking how this works? That's not a clever question. It works like any other takon of Chacham. And the Chachamim said it works, so it works. Once you understand there's a reason for the legislation, you don't have to know how it works. So by Picadon, you don't even ask the question. So if, if you got the money from me in safekeeping and I tell you to give it to Ruven, why did the Chachomim say that works to facilitate trade? How does it work? Yeah, who cares? The Chachamim said it works. That's it. But for Milve, it is a good question. And that's what I want to focus on for a moment. Why is it a good question if you got the money as a loan, but it's not a good question if you got the money as, as a picadon? Because the money is not in, in, in my control. If, if I gave it to you, I gave you a suitcase full of money and I said, keep this for me, that means the suitcase, you don't touch it, you don't open it, you leave it, you put it in your safe and you give it back to me when I come. So that's birshutei. You, you've got it, the, the, you've, got, you've got mastery over it, you've got control over it, and through you, I've got control over it. So I can say that, that suitcase, which is in your house, in your safe, that suitcase, give it to Ruve. And he davikinia letter birshutei. And even though it's a good Kenyan, I understand that you can say it, the Chachomim said it's a Kenyan, but it's not Birushuse. How can you have a Kenyan when the person who has to transfer it doesn't even have it? He's, he's spent it. He hasn't got it. He's going to get it later on. And look at the, at the source of all of this, which is Amira Lehektesh. That's a Kenyan Dibur, where by speaking you can make a Kenyan, when you give something to the Beis Amikdash. And even there, you can't do it if the object that you're giving to the Beis Amikdash is not in your Rishus, it's not in your control. You, you can't give the Beis Amikdash something which you don't have possession of. So how can you give this object to Ruven if you don't have possession of it? It's a halva'ah. That's the halacha So understanding the difference between this. So here's the difference. If we were to ask, in the case of Picadon, we would be asking, what would the question be? How does this work? That's not an intelligent question. How does this work? The answer is, the Chachomim decreed it. That's how it works. It works because it works. It's like a lama kacha, as the, as the, as the children say. But Bahalvo, it's not like that. Bahalvo, the question is much more intelligent. This is a Lomdisha question. I understand that Chachomim said that if if all three are present, you can instruct the you can instruct the other person to give it to Ruven. I get it. But in the case of Halva'ah, the other person doesn't have possession of the object. And we learn from Kochim that when you makdi something you don't have possession of, even though speech is a valid Kenyan, lack of possession interferes with the Kenyan and doesn't allow the Kenyan to take place. So how does the Kenyan take place here? This is not a how does it work. This is a how could it possibly work. And that's the difference between a good question and a weak question. How does it work? Look up the instruction manual. How does it work? Check up on the internet. I don't know how it works. How does the light work? How does the computer work? Look it up. Not a good question. But how could it possibly work? How come the light is on when there's no electricity? That's an interesting question. That's a good question. 
How does Pikodin work? That's no question. Pikodin works because the Chazal said it works. How does Halva work? There's no Rishus. You don't have possession. If you don't have possession, how can it work? That's a valid question. So when we ask a question, it's really important. That's the longness of a question. It's really important to back the question up with why it's a question. Don't just ask a question. If you're asking a question, you ask the question and you back it up with, and the reason this is a question is because there's something that makes it impossible to understand and we need to resolve that conflict of ideas. And only once we've resolved the conflict can we really understand them. That's, the, that's a, a, a powerful question, as the Tzor Sachrishan explains to us in the Sugi of Mahamad Shloshtah. <laughs>